Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, and I think I'm Rusty Patty. I know. We haven't done anything. We were cranking out podcasts there for a while. Yeah, and we think, were there like two or three, yeah. like every week or two, and then now we've been like once a month, maybe. But we're, we promised to pick back up. Things have just gotten busy at, in the world of finance here at UVA. I'm sure people are like waiting <laughs> yes, to Yes, they are. They totally are. <laughs> <laughs> and the voice you hear cackling in the background is our guest today. Uh, we have brought back a familiar face in Lisa Harris, the Senior Learning and Development consultant from UVA HR. Hi everyone. <laughs> and the last time Lisa was with us, we had a great conversation about was it resilience. Resilience. And we we also did uh, um, multi-generational workforce. Yeah, Bridging the generation. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. almost a co-host. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you call it co-host. Yeah. yeah, friend of the pod. <laughs> I like that. So FOTP. <laughs> there you go. We gotta start getting merch. Hashtag. But the, back to our point, um, things have gotten a little bit busy with a project that we're having at, at uh, finance. But as we move along through that and staff up a little bit, we should be able to return to a more regular uploading schedule. So if you've gotten used to hearing from us on Finance Matters, don't give up on us. We're still here. We've got lots of good plans coming up. And for today, our conversation is about Bill George's book, True North, um, on the topic of which Lisa delivers some really good uh, learning for managers at UVA. I'm a part of the, what cohort? Third? Cohort three of the yeah. UVA Finance Manager Development Program. Yes, so I'm in this training, mm-hmm. and a couple of weeks ago, Lisa delivered some really great training about authentic leadership, and we thought it would be great to bring that to you as well. George's book is pretty widely known, and you may or may not be familiar with it, but there's some really good things to start thinking about, whether you're a new manager or old. So. Lisa, tell us what what is uh, what's meant by authentic leadership. Well, the thing that we try to focus on in authentic leadership, and I I think is really important, is the first one is values. Um, what are your values? Where did those values come from? And as a leader, are you role modeling those values in your interactions with the people that you're working with um, and your team overall? Um, the other one under authentic uh, leadership is. Um, do you value difference? Um, the difference in people's thought, the difference in your team, the difference in levels of creativity, and then all the dimensions of diversity differences. Uh, the other thing is looking at your own strengths and your own vulnerabilities as an authentic leader. And I like the choice of words of vulnerability because we tend to focus on weaknesses, but they're not weaknesses, they're all opportunities. So what are those vulnerabilities? And then how do you leverage those vulnerabilities to help you? Um, and then the biggest one would be trust in your authentic leadership and then your ability to connect with people. And do you seek feedback on how you're leading so that you can actually learn better and grow? Because no leader should be stagnant. We should always be moving in terms right. of our growth and development. Mm-hmm. All that sounds good, but I guess my question is why, why is this a thing? Why is it mm-hmm. important that we tap into that authentic leadership, what that means for each of us. What's at stake with it? Yeah, well, I think that's really a great question. I think what it means is all of us want to come to work being who we really are. 
We yes. don't want to spend our time wearing a mask, putting on faces or airs. It's too much work. It takes up too much time. Um, and then I think people can sincerely tell when you're faking it, right? Mm-hmm. And so a real to be your best leader, you want to be your most authentic self. And I think what's at stake is relationship and connection. And since effective leaders build relationship and have strong connections, if you're not authentic, who really wants to connect with you? Mm-hmm. I don't want to wake up on Monday and meet one person and come to work the next day and meet somebody else and then have a different experience with you on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I need you to be consistent yeah. in how you're actually leading. Now, we're all emotional or have emotions that we have to manage, but who you are as an authentic person is who I expect to meet. And since loyalty and commitment are one of the critical factors in leadership for people to buy into you, being who you are is most important so people know who they're buying into. Right. Dang. And they can That's decide good. if they want to buy into that. Yeah, absolutely. Or not. Right. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the best bosses that I've had. And they weren't perfect people, I but I learned particular things from each of them that came from their... In inhabiting that authentic leadership role. There are, as you said, leaders who are more vulnerable. There are leaders who demonstrate different strengths in different areas, and they know their weaknesses, and they go with what they have. And you learn a lot from people Mm -hmm. when they're being authentic. It's got a nice ripple effect. (laughs) I think it helps teams work better because the hope is wherever I'm vulnerable, you're strong. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm thinking about my team, my team is a collection of people whose strengths and weaknesses support each other. Mm -hmm. And so again, I love your question about what's at risk. What's at risk is our level or our ability to move forward to accomplish our task when mm-hmm. we're not all authentic. Because leader is not a title, it's all of us. And right. so if we're not all being authentic, how do we move forward to do what we um, ultimately want to do? And, and though people don't always agree, this is about your head and your heart, mm-hmm. right? And how do you blend the two? So your authenticity is as much about how you feel about people as how you are strategic and how you get to your destination. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's just so authentic. Uh, it's so exhausting to put on a front. Oh my right. gosh! Yeah, Jeez, the work. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> even at the beginning of his book, he talks about you can't fake it till you make it mm-hmm. because right. people see through that. Mm-hmm. And like you say, they don't want to be showing up on Monday seeing a different person than they saw the week before. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really love that he just like puts out out there at the very beginning that you just can't do that. Yeah. The other thing that just came to mind is, uh, and I often say, when you lead people, though we're all adults, the other side of that is, it's like having children. Our Mm -hmm. children are watching us all the time. Yeah, role modeling. And they're role modeling, right? And so when we think about leadership challenges, modeling the way is one of those leadership challenges, right? So if I'm watching you all the time, I'm probably spending more time watching you than you realize. So you being authentic and delivering your values and functioning in head and heart, I'm watching you, watching you to learn, watching you to grow, but also watching you so I can trust you so that you're consistent in what you're doing. And so that's why I think all of this is really important that we're living our values because we're being consistent Mm -hmm. and people can then trust us because we're consistent. Mm -hmm. Yes. And... It's going to look different for every person, yeah, yeah. and we'll talk in a minute about um, how you find yeah. your authentic self, your true north, but just thinking about that trust and the consistency, um, I think about bosses that I've had, or even just relationships that I've had, you know, friends and colleagues. When someone is that authentic, mm-hmm. 
you know even you know their strengths but and you know what they're not that great at mm-hmm. and you can work with them more easily because they're upfront about that yeah. mm-hmm. you're not trying to um skim over something that you might wound their vanity mm-hmm. or you know avoid certain areas it's just a much more open and easy relationship and as you said Lisa then when you have that kind of relationship, you can actually work and get things done yes. mm-hmm. because you're not trying to tiptoe around egos and yes. all the other crazy things that can happen when mm-hmm. somebody is putting up a front. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about love as one of the values. And so when you said that, that's what I thought of. When we love people, their vulnerabilities are not things we spend a lot of time on, right? We just recognize it because we know we have it too. And love is one of those words and people are like oh it worked we shouldn't talk about love but the truth is love is a key component it's not i'm in love with you is right. that i love you as a person and so therefore your strengths i celebrate and your vulnerabilities i just recognize because yeah. i too have them and i love what you said because then we all get to recognize we're vulnerable mm-hmm. and we can laugh and have a good time and move mm-hmm. on and then help each other in those areas right. of vulnerability yeah. love gives us room to grow yeah the other thing that I love about uh, <laughs> about not just just what he says in this, what Bill George says in this book, but this is just what I think in general is, and what I think a lot of us think, and I'm sure you think this, and Brandy thinks mm-hmm. this, is that you can learn and develop this. Yeah. Like you can learn to be an authentic leader. You can develop yourself to become more authentic Mm -hmm. and I I think that's a really valuable thing because a lot of people are going to say I am who I am you know like I'm not going to change I'm not going to be that's fine Mm -hmm. like but you can learn to lead with your values Mm. and whatever they may be yes and the people that are part of your team they're going to either be with you or not be with you absolutely and you need to be okay with that absolutely I do agree and the other thing that's great about the concepts in this book is that it's not like he's putting forth some kind of plan for getting you to be a great leader it's not like he's saying here are the five things you need to do for your team to feel like you're a good leader here's something you have to ascribe to or become that's outside of who you are you just have to learn what your strengths are and what your true north is and it's individual for every person mm-hmm. so i think that's that's especially good for people who maybe are younger in the leadership role not younger age-wise but younger in that role um, because you see leadership modeled a bunch of different ways and you think well should I be more like this or should I be more like this well, you pretty should be more like yourself <laughs> that's something that's really highlighted in the book is yes. that yeah. is that um, you shouldn't be copycatting somebody Absolutely. else okay. I don't think that's a word but um, it is it is um, you just said it <laughs> but you should not be uh, trying to emulate another person's style necessarily you should find your own and we're not talking about leadership styles like the coaching leadership style right right uh affiliative or whatever you know like we're talking about um being your true Mm -hmm. self absolutely so so it's a little bit different than leadership styles and something you said brandy too about strengths if you can speak to this lisa um I'm wondering, are we talking about strengths when we talk about living your values? 
Or, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. What do you think about that? That's a really good question because I think if we go back to being authentic, whatever is classified as a strength is natural or innate to who you are. So Mm -hmm. your strength might actually be your ability to communicate. Uh Your strength might be your love of people. Your strength might be your ability to analyze numbers or facts or figures. So to me, strengths get defined as the gifts that you have okay. um, more than anything else. That's the way I look at strengths. I don't have to go and to sit in the class. the things that we're strong at are the things that we, we, that do sort of align with our values. Absolutely. Because they're the things that we want to, to do. Or right. Be. Yes. And I, I see them as somewhat different. Yes. Because like things like values, we, we, um, like you were talking about love. Mm-hmm. Love is a value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't think of that as like necessarily a strength. Right. You know, so. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes. But, but based on your value of love, right. you might have the strength of being able to communicate with people. Being or, compassionate. Or yes, being compassionate. Yeah, or, having great empathy for right. others. Yes. And when I think about what you did at the manager development session, when you had us identify I think top four or five mm-hmm. uh, values, values mm-hmm. not strengths, yeah. Yeah. from a, a list of many wonderful things. <laughs> it, it was and it was uh, condensed yes. for our class, so yes. we didn't have um, as long of a time or mm-hmm. you know as much of a framework to do what what you might do on your own. But it was hard to sit there and think, okay, what what of these are really by values and I think that's what's cool about the book is that it invites you to really really do some self reflection mm-hmm. but to a purpose yes. I think a lot of us get um, we push self reflection to the side because it seems like it doesn't have an immediate purpose yes. mm-hmm. for our life that's something that you do for yourself if you have the time but it's something that you need to do in truth because it affects your success yes. and your ability to lead so in, in a way, I think this book gives you a good reason to do what you need to do. It's not fluffy. When you're talking about self-reflection, I wonder if we can talk a little bit about kind of the steps um, he takes through the book, which I think really does um, align with kind of like how, how do you develop your authentic leadership? How do you find your true north? So if we can talk a little bit about that, I yeah. think that would be great. Yeah. So like one of the first things he talks about um, if you can talk a little bit about this, Lisa, is um, like telling your story or yes. find or, purpose in your life story. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, that seems like a tall order. <laughs> it does. I, don't think this is, I don't think this is necessarily an easy process. Yeah, I think sometimes, and and I, I think I agree with you. Sometimes it's hard because we start the exercise off asking you to define your values, so then you start to tell the story. Mm-hmm. But you could almost tell the story and then look at the story and say, now what is my value? Yes. Right. Right? right. So either way you go, however you get there, in telling your story, you can see whatever that those values start to be um, in your experience. So it's like the values and the principles you have. So you'd have to pick a story that you feel defines who you are and mm-hmm. then analyze what are the values that are coming out of it, uh-huh. right? And then the impact of those values that they have had. So the example that I used in class happened to be my values were leadership. And so my story was about how when I was a young child, I wanted to fix 
uh, muscular dystrophy. And I love this story. I love this story, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, little Lisa, I just want to scoop you up. I know. I want a picture of little Lisa here muscular dystrophy. So, so to back up a little bit, we're jumping ahead. Lisa yeah. told a great story of when she was a child. She saw, was it the Jerry Lewis? Um, Jerry Lewis yeah. telephone, yes. And she decided she was going to fix muscular dystrophy, and she went after it um, to raise money. And it's a fantastic story on its own, but... I love that that's the story that you take because it's something as simple as thinking about those common threads that keep coming up as defining moments in your life, things that make you, you. Yes. Um, So when you think about telling your life story, it might sound like that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Like, are we running our autobiographies or what? No, we're just thinking about those things that really stand out for us. Absolutely. That have made us who we are or are indicative of who we are absolutely and knowing you even the little bit that we know you now i can totally see little lisa (laughs) yeah i I want you to tell that story but i think that the thing about like um thinking about our life story are things like most of us can look back on our lives and think about very specific incidents or things that that made us Mm -hmm. we can we have really specific memories around things so i'd say like anything that like jumps out at you is a very specific memory yes um people that have influenced you absolutely um those kinds of things either um but then also situations and and, um like i said incidents but either great ones or Mm -hmm. traumatic ones you know so i think that those are um when you're when you're starting this process of like finding purpose in your life and finding uh, what your values are when you're thinking back through your life I think those are the things that like if they jump out at you yes. like capture that Absolutely. but go ahead I want to hear this. I want the listeners to hear the story okay so when I was little I used to watch um, the Jerry Lewis telethon and it was for muscular dystrophy and he kept encouraging people you know raise money if you raise money you will help us find the cure and so Um, I was upset and I shared that with my parents and my parents who were community activists and believed in causes says, well, what do you want to do about it? And so um, literally they helped me come up with this idea. I was going to do a carnival in in my backyard. And so we came up with all kinds of games, you know, the toss, the mortar games. And and then the coolest thing is that I will always remember is my parents went and found a pony. (laughs) I just can't believe that. Yeah, so it's like there. there's a story within the podcast message today. Like the life lesson of today is like, get off of your boot and do something. So, Lisa, we're about close to the same age. So, so you were how old? Like eight, eight or something? I think it was eight at the time. So I think it might so eight year old daughter. So this was in the 70s. Yes, right? yes. So, sorry, I just. That's all right. That's I'm right. the same age. So I just. Re- You're I not just outing me. Yeah. I'm okay. Right. So I. Um, I just think like a pony, like now, I'll be like, oh yeah, pony, whatever, you know, like. <laughs> it was a big deal in the it 70s. It was so big deal. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And so our whole thing was, how do you raise money? And the our community came out in record number, the pony needless to say was a big hit. And um, I think it was about 300 or some odd dollars that we ended up sending in to muscular dystrophy. And of course, as a child, I thought, we're done. I got it's it. It's cured. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it made a difference. I'm sure it 
would be able to, it's funny because in my head when I saw the telethons going on, you know you don't register it as a child. You think, you asked for it, everybody did it, we are done. He never has to ask again. And then when he came back, I was like, oh. I thought we got back this year. We're back. I got to get the pony one more time. (laughs) How many more carnivals does it take? That's awesome. So a couple things I wanted to say about that is that... um, so the you, you started t- talking about this story about it being your understanding and development of your value of leadership, mm-hmm. but as as you started telling the story, you you said I was watching Jerry Lewis mm-hmm. telethon and I felt bad. Yeah. So obviously you had another value at that yeah. point. Yeah. Which is probably compassion, it is compassion. love, or yes. whatever. Okay. Yes. yes. So, and gratitude, interestingly enough. Right. Because I'm not one of the kids. Right. It's an interesting right. thing, right? Yes. yes. So even at eight, you have these values. Yes. Yeah. I just find that. But you also, in the class, talked about um, the values that you shared as a result of your parents. Yes. And so, and their experiences. Yes, absolutely. Which I think is another thing. Yes. That we all get good or bad. Right. You know, stuff from our parents. Right. And so, I think, um, you know, that's just, like at eight, that's where you're probably getting that from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think makes an even more important point about as a leader, how do you end up role modeling those values? Because whether my parents were thinking about it or not, their community activism, their desire to want to change things and make things better rubbed mm-hmm. off on me and I just happened to pick the space of, yeah. the mus- of muscular dystrophy, right? And so if you think about it, that was also getting the people in my neighborhood to come together yep. for a cause, which now you think about value of teamwork and partnership it took to actually do it. And we don't really think a lot about that, but think about the teams that we lead today. How are how is your eight-year-old value self right. showing up in your 20, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old self at work? Yeah. So we're very chatty and we get on as a group. <laughs> and I, I see the danger in us <laughs> continuing for a long time. So I'm going to push us just a little bit into the, the next phase of finding your authentic mm-hmm. leadership. Um, and I think it's really connected to what we're talking about because we're identifying things from our life narrative that make us what we are and part of what makes us what we are and who we are and um, differentiates us and forms us yeah. are the hardships that we've gone through. Absolutely. And George says that another one of the ways that the lessons that we can learn from the book is that you have to embrace your life's crucibles. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And Patty, define crucible for us. <laughs> it's like um, adversity or challenges. Yeah. So for all of you who haven't read The Crucible since high school, that's what that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and for all of you who actually have a military background, you might know it best as embrace the suck. Yes. <laughs> I love that phrase. I do too. I do even mention that because my daughter went to VMI, so and they have this thing called the Crucible, which is literally yes. Like a day of like extreme challenges. Yes. So yes. I always think about that. <laughs> it's a poster all around my house. Embrace the suck. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that on this podcast. There's a lot of suck going around. <laughs> yeah. So the the struggles, the uncertainties, the losses, um, these are things that bring out important facets mm-hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and they leave you changed. Absolutely. So. And most authentic. Yeah. So let's Hopefully. talk for a little bit about like how that shapes you and how to think about that if you're looking for that authentic leadership mm-hmm. style. I think what I would say is if you have whatever those crucibles are, it really is time to spend time in self-reflection, as you mentioned, um, because there are always lessons in our pain. Um, some of those lessons um, highlight how well we did. And some of those lessons, I would never say bad, but they highlight our humanity and our ability to struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and, th- and that, that has to be okay that we have learned to struggle because we will struggle as leaders and we struggle in general. And so how do you take the struggle and turn it into something that helps you and helps your team. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just wasted. Like I truly believe that nothing happens to us. Nothing that happens to us is wasted. It's just how do you choose to use it? Right. right? And, yeah. and there are many outcomes of how we respond to adversity. So you shared a personal story and I will share. Um, when I was, I think 12 or so, my parents split up. Mm. Common occurrence. Um, and it wasn't like it was even particularly dreadful of a divorce, but in that particular time of my life for myself, I think that was where I cultivated my value of diplomacy, Ah. like being a a peacekeeper kind of role. And there are ways that that could have been not so great. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I feel like in the end, it has turned out to be something that makes me more effective as a person. Mm, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I see I see what he's saying with this point that could be from your early childhood, could be, you know, that job you had that was you know, had a bad outcome and you got fired or whatever. Right. Like Absolutely. there are so many ways that this can pan out that it ends up making you better, stronger, different. Absolutely. However it works Absolutely. out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for leaders to tell the story. Like, don't always tell the good story where you were the best at everything. Mm-hmm. Tell the story sometimes when you weren't the best at something or you struggled because people need to connect with people who remind them of themselves. And if you're a 100%, 100% of the time, it's unrealistic and it's hard for me to trust mm-hmm. and to connect because I don't know that I can ever live up to 100% at 100%. Yeah. Right, And so your story inspires me to know I can get through something and I can use it in a way that becomes beneficial. Yeah. So I'm mentoring somebody in finance um, and we have to read this book. She's in a graduate program and we have to read this book called Primal Leadership. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's by, Do you oh, have, it's by Daniel Bo- I'm picturing you like around a campfire. Yeah. Like being trapped <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is primal. It, it, I kind of thought that too when I saw the Naked and afraid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Naked and afraid. Like, we all have to um, If you've um, made it to this point in the podcast, that's your reward. <laughs> um, yeah, they're all like, okay, I'm turning it off now. But, um... um in this sense, prime, I think what they mean by primal is like first or like your foundation. Yes. Of, you know, like the gut so, stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so um, it's by Daniel Goleman. Okay. Or at least yes. he's one the of the great guy. Yeah. yeah. E-D, uh, E-D. Calm down, Patty. Sorry. Okay. So um, he talks about um, resonance a lot in his book. I mean, that's kind of what what he talks about with emotional intelligence is the the whole 
thing about um, creating resonance in your leadership. Resonance? resonance. Like, like how? So like resonating with people. So, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Pe- having people be able to connect with you. Uh, yeah. Versus dissonance where they're going to be okay, like, okay. Oh, yeah. checked Got out. You. Okay. Yeah. So um, I thought about that when you were mm-hmm. just talking mm-hmm. about connecting, making people feel... When you talked about um, being your like true self and sharing struggles and things like that, I think people resonate with that. Yes, yes. people are like I do too. Yes, yeah. And so feeling like being able to feel like oh, they're not perfect. Either. Yes, right. I can yeah. see so, myself in them. I can see yes. yeah how I can get to Absolutely. a different point too, and how I can connect my values yeah. to their values. So one thing we talk a lot about on this pod is a. A theme that comes up over and over and over again <laughs> to the point that it's almost become like a joke is huh. doing the work like that yeah. it, there's work to be done when it comes to success or having the best mm. result right. or best life or whatever <laughs> um, and the the third thing is constantly seeking mm. feedback <laughs> and that's that's maybe like one of the harder things we're going to get to the practice of self-reflection a little bit later which is also I think a difficult one but feedback can sometimes be touchy for people yeah. and learning to be comfortable with it yes. and hear it and take it in in a way that um forms you and yeah. shapes you yeah that's that's a big part of this yes. yeah and it's hard when you first start out on the journey to hear people talk about the things that you don't do so well yes. <laughs> i think yes. you need to have a trusted person yeah to do that yes you know to really feel like you're comfortable with getting feedback yes is to talk to somebody you really trust yeah, and in his book, he calls it a support team. Uh-huh. Yes. Right, and his um, recommendation is that your support team is a um, c- uh, a group of people who are like maybe family and friends and a coworker or two, but to have someone in there who is very comfortable with telling you the truth mm-hmm. and to establish a support team that is directed at telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as having people who can block and tackle so that you yeah. can feel okay about it. But in order for you to get that level of feedback, the support team needs to meet regularly, to engage regularly, and have real conversations about your strengths and your vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and how you're applying it. And um, to you know applaud you in some cases and then say, hey, I think you can be stronger in these other areas. But it's really important that you have a support team. And again, it can't just be family and friends. You right. need to find someone that is not just your buddy. Right. Right. You need because, to find someone outside of your group, so to speak. Because Patty is a trusted and smart person and a great colleague. But I do feel like we probably have a propensity with one another to say, I think you're fine. I think you did great. I think it's okay. Yeah, although, although, yeah, I, I hear what No, you're that's not true. Patty is actually a, a trained <laughs> coach. She would probably be better at it. I'm yeah. the one that would be like, Patty, it's fine. So I'll now you, I know. That's... I'll help you bury the body. It's fine. <laughs> so now I know. Like, you're just like, telling yes. me what I want to hear. <laughs> no. You are fabulous. <laughs> but, but, but to Lisa's point, you know, uh, having those, those folks who can help you look at yourself a little more objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, really great. I've got a, and I know what, I absolutely respect what you're saying, um, that you need to have people who are not just friends and family. And that's what we were jokingly just talking yeah. about. But I do have a friend, um, we work miles and miles away from one another, 
but she knows me very well, mm-hmm. and I will Skype with her every now and then and say, hey, <laughs> I just got this email. Can I, like, tell you what it said? And, like, you gut check me on yes. this. Like, yes. how am I thinking about this right? Yeah. How am I, how is my response? Yeah. So. Can I apply this a little bit to a team? Sure. Um, so one of the things I think is really important if you think about kind of feedback and how a team functions um, to help everybody be their most authentic self. Um, when I worked for Ford, we, um, in my team, what I noticed is sometimes people are polite or they try to be nice to each other, you know, because we all want to get along. And so what we did was we um, took a troll's head, the one that has the wild crazy <laughs> yeah, hair, yeah, 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 yeah. and we put it on a pencil. And at every one of our meetings, somebody had troll head responsibility. And what that meant was that you had to ask the difficult question, you had to kind of say what wasn't being said in the room, because we tend to either want to move on because we're tired, we don't want to meet, we tend to just want to smile and grin and pass on, people don't care, or or they do. And sometimes the person who's most vocal ends up getting penalized, Mm -hmm. and they're usually asking good questions. Mm -hmm. And so to develop everybody in this giving feedback, everybody had troll head responsibilities. Mm So the cool thing about the troll head is that it gives you permission to experiment with that Absolutely. space. And Absolutely. You, you've got, you got your troll head, you've got your reason why you're yes. doing it. So and it develops can, people to give yeah. feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So number four is develop a practice of self-reflection, which is one thing that we don't always have a lot of time for. We don't always prioritize. <laughs> so we were talking about that a little earlier, you know, thinking about yourself, um, looking inward and... Um, having that deeper daily practice of being still is hard for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has more, and it it ought to be enough that it benefits our mental health and our emotional stability Mm -hmm. and all those good things. But I think we still choose not to do it because we think we have all these other things to do that are going to benefit our personal and career lives. Mm-hmm. But this is a thing that benefits your career <laughs> life. Um, it does benefit you to make a space for introspection. I agree. I agree. And I think in the world we live, um, you can self-reflect and record yourself on your phone so that you can always go back to it. Right? True. You can use technology mm-hmm. to do it. You can sit down and write if necessary. Um, or you can just be still with your thoughts. Uh, I think recording and or writing is important so you can go back and figure out where you were and what you were thinking at a time. But I think it really is important to take the time Mm -hmm. to give yourself. Because I think even doing these exercises around your values, as you said, this is a lot of work to narrow down Mm -hmm. core values to get to it. Mm -hmm. So how is your life role modeling your values? And spend that time asking yourself that question to record it. Am I role modeling the values I say that were important? And just to bear with me one second, one of the groups I'm working with, one of their core values was open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And so the other part of that is, what's the definition of being open-minded? Yeah. Right? So really when we think about our values and we tell our story and we're thinking about how to do this, what does that really mean to you? So that yeah. you're clear about the definition and you're clear how it shows up in your space. Uh-huh. I think about a time before I had children <laughs> when I was a good journaler and I also really liked, I had a, this is going to date me, I had a little mini cassette tape recorder. I love it. <laughs> and when I was on my way home from teaching um, a writing class in the evening, I would often record thoughts as I went home and I remember the sensation of being surprised by what I said sometimes Mm -hmm. and how you sometimes 
what you said is that uh, Lisa that you need to write you need to talk mm-hmm. even more than just thinking because um, that has value and I think that it has value in developing you as a thinker mm-hmm. and in addition to knowing yourself yeah. Yeah. when you codify it somehow yes. mm-hmm. you get to a place where you're like oh yes that's I said that <laughs> that's interesting yes. like I didn't know that that was what I thought about that Absolutely. Um, and you don't really take those things into account until you focus on them absolutely and you are your most authentic self when you're writing and recording because no one's around you're not thinking about it and you just kind of talk yeah we must be very authentic right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) what i was also going to say is like this i feel like the self-reflection kind of time or exercise can take place soon after your you know however you get your feedback right mm-hmm. good point you know, that's so, a really good point yes. like just just taking the time then to kind of think about that that's a good think good about point. what the person your feedback giver yes just said or you know the, what you're thinking about that absolutely i love that too because i think the thing is instead of always feeling like you need to respond to what someone says maybe the best answer is i appreciate you gave me the feedback i need to spend some time thinking about it and processing it before mm-hmm. i even respond yeah because one, depending on how you receive the yeah. feedback, you might need a few moments, mm-hmm. but maybe there's a nugget inside of it, even if you don't always agree, that says, evidently I'm demonstrating this yeah. behavior, and I need to be conscious that somebody's having an experience with me that might be different than the experience I thought they were yeah. having. Good point. So the last thing is transform I to we. Um, and the idea behind that is that you have to look beyond yourself to become an authentic leader. We've talked a lot about your story, self-reflection, getting feedback about yourself. And now we're talking about incorporating others into that mission. So yes. can we talk a little bit about the I to we? Yes. I think sometimes in the journey that might seem hard, um, but ultimately you're on this authentic leader journey so that you can be a, 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 both a leader and a team member. So to me, that's the we. Like, how do I lead, but how do I still feel like I'm incorporated into what is actually our mm-hmm. team? Mm-hmm. And if you always stay in your eye role, you don't have the ability to connect to the we of your team. And so you have to see your team as a place for which you too can grow, develop, expand, without losing all your authenticity. And Mm -hmm. so it's so important to not stay in that eye because that eye after a period of time might become selfish. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so under the, under the true eye to move to we, I need to be a learner as well as a leader. That's the way I look at that one. Pithy. There, I mean, I, there are certain books that we, we get into sometimes, um, for this podcast that I think, Oh, these are business books. Yes. You know, they're, they're books for corporate people and they're uh, leadership books and this is going to be a dry read, but they really have a lot. The things that we've talked about anyway, a lot of them have had really great points about not only being your best self yeah. in the world of work, but just being your best self and like getting more out of the experience of yes. living and breathing. <laughs> and, and to your point earlier uh, about people don't want to get a different experience with you today than they did yesterday than they will tomorrow, um, there is no 
real way to compartmentalize your life mm-hmm. and say, this is my work self, this is my private self, yes. that yeah. I'm going to put on this point. mask when I come in and, and take it off yes. when I go out. So I love things like this in the end, even though I take them with a grain of salt coming in, I'm like, oh, business book. <laughs> yeah. um, they, they're really good because they, they yeah. speak to that need that we have to actually be our best self. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, you, you know, you're describing them as business books. I think um, I'm a total geek when it comes to like, yes. like yes. leadership books and stuff like that. You're agreeing with me. Um, <laughs> well, you are. And, and I just think about 20-year-old me. Like, I had a really great boss at one time at the Cricket Ranch. <laughs> I've talked about the Cricket Ranch before. But um, when he went, moved on, um, he left us. He ordered us all of the a stack of books that he had that had been influential for him. Yeah. And I remember having those on my desk and being like, Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> what? You <laughs> like, want me to read? Yeah, this is a bunch of hooey. Like, um, but it, it is good stuff. So my old boss at UVA yeah. um used to I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast, Brian Gary. He went to Virginia. Oh, right. Um, he used to buy us all for our birthdays leadership books. So I, I had a whole this. stack of leadership books from the time that I Aww. reported to him. I love that. That, you, you know, some of them are, you know, sort of leadership books. You should send them the podcast. Are, you should. Yeah, I should. Send them podcast. Yeah, he, totally yeah. he still lives in prison. So, um, um, but... Uh, what I was going to say about leadership books um, versus like true like business books right. is that most of them I've found that they apply really to whole life yes. yeah. rather than just work. Yes. We and have so, whole lives. We don't just have work. Right. <laughs> and that's one of the yeah. reasons why I like Marcus Buckingham so much is yes. that he talks so much about um, strengths and yes. living your, your whole life, you yes. know, treating your whole self. And so I... Um, just that's what I always get out of leadership books are things about how I can apply this not just to work but to my life and and we're all leaders absolutely so it's not if you're listening to this and you're thinking oh great leadership books like I'm not going to check into that because that's not where I am that is where you are absolutely and I would like to add for people who stay away from leadership books that I think there is something to be said for reading other books because when we think about it leadership is made up of multiple skills, yeah. right? And so, not that I'm the person who read every Harry Potter book, but if you think about, you know, who that character was, so to speak, a lot of who he turned out to be was grounded in his values and his choices, right? Sure. So decision-making comes out of Harry Potter or, you know, many other books that we have time to kill and how do you balance. So I do think that if you don't like, per se, leadership books, which we would recommend that you read, Re- the books that you do read, at least read something, look at it and start thinking about skills and abilities that have come from the characters in the book, the things that they did really well that would be strengths, their places of vulnerability, and how their values showed up in their behavior. So you still can get something out of them if you start to process books differently than how you're reading them now. That's such a great point. That is such a great point. I know it depends on which books you which read. Which you read, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I'm just like coming out of the fog of good night moon. <laughs> that probably get something out of that. <laughs> good night moon. Night night shoes. <laughs> I like that book. It makes you fall asleep. I read The Warmth of Other Suns, and it was about the great migration of people from um, the south to the west. 
right? And so I, what I started to think about is values around courage and resilience yeah. and an ability to um, create new communities, oh, that's good. right? And so yeah. to me, it's like, look at books and think of values. Yeah. And yeah, then think, how does it apply to this? Favorite fictional book? Jane Eyre. <laughs> Yours? Yeah, Jane Eyre. Is it? Oh my gosh. I actually, well, that's not fictional because that one's real true. Um, I don't know. Do I have a favorite? I don't know. Or author. That's funny. I don't know that classic? I Classic? But Little the, Women the, would be my favorite oh, classic. Cool. But, yeah, I like but, Little Women. But yeah. the point being, like, think about, think about yourself in the terms that your choices and your experiences and your preferences all have something to say about you. Yeah. Yes. And... Research shows, and this is not a self-indulgent activity, research shows that your mental health benefits when you have that narrative about who you are yes. tacked down in your head. Um, so I would just challenge our readers, our readers, I'm such an English yes, listener. Yes, you do, I would challenge our, th- our listeners to think about that a little bit. Like, get a little meta about yourself and think yes. about yourself outside yourself and think about how those experiences and those challenges that you've had really do shape who you are and how you can bring that to the table as something good in terms yeah. of how you're a leader. Emily Bronte, Weathering Heights. That's Girl. my absolute favorite. Oh, that's what it is. I kept thinking, that. I know, I, I kept my thinking, I love, that, love that, book. that book. That's my favorite. How did you become <laughs> such a Victorian? <laughs> I love um, John Steinbeck. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Great Mice and Men. East of Eden. Yeah. Mice, Mice and Men, men yeah. is not my favorite of oh, this book, okay. but it's... Sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. But, and I, and and I'm uh, trying to do more. Um, oh my gosh, the author just went out out of my head. But I am trying to read more biographies because I think in the spirit of leadership, yeah, absolutely. Again, it's another great opportunity to start figuring out how people have survived and thrived in difficult situations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because only the only thing James Baldwin. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, James Baldwin. John's Baldwin. Yeah. Yes, that was the and the remember too. Dear listeners, in the spirit of Jane Eyre, dear reader, <laughs> the, the, the only thing that you see from those people who have had wonderful success stories is that moment at which they arrive at success. Mm-hmm. You don't see the journey. You don't see all of the, the late nights of self-doubt and self-reflection. Yeah. So this is part of the process, and you're not wrong if you do this. This is what it takes. Uh, are there any other things that we haven't covered about... Um, authentic leadership that we want to cover before we sign off after 46 minutes of talking. I just have one other thought to consider. A lot of times when people come to class or they sit somewhere, they talk about the people that they're struggling with. Mm. Um, And I say sometimes, you know, we think that that's about character or personality. And maybe sometimes the struggle is values. That is a very good Right? And so maybe if we become clear about the values that are important to us, Mm -hmm. thinking about and the stories that we tell, Mm -hmm. we can understand where someone else's values come from. And then it not only helps us have a better understanding, but maybe when I'm giving and receiving feedback, I can start to do it from a place of values versus mm-hmm. a place of, well, I like you and our personalities get along. Yes. Maybe we're bumping up against values and maybe there's an opportunity to talk about values and then how do I hold you accountable to your values yeah. versus just a task. And so I would say to people, think about having the value conversation yeah. more so than just personality and stretch yourself that even if you're not comfortable with somebody, maybe you actually share the same values, but you don't know it because you haven't had the conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. There was another thing that, that um, he starts his book with, which is talking about how 
um, developing people and all mm -hmm. that stuff and how leaders, one of the biggest, the hardest things for them to do, but the most important things for them to do is to develop themselves. Yes. And so Absolutely. I thought that was interesting. Invest in you. It's the best gift you could do. Mm -hmm. You can't pour from an empty vessel. Amen. All right. Great well, <laughs> thank you for joining us today, Lisa. Thank you for having we, it's me. It's always Man, a pleasure to have you. Love and being with you all. We will definitely have you back. Um, and thank you, listeners, for coming back and joining us for Finance Matters. We will, again, be picking up the pace a little bit after being distracted by other matters. <laughs> you can read more about those other matters on the finance blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. And if you've got an idea for something you'd like to hear more about, um, we have a pretty broad net when it comes to the podcast because we're thinking about development and becoming um, better people mm -hmm. in addition to just better productive, efficient workers. So if you know somebody who's doing good work out there or somebody who's writing cool stuff, let us know. You can email me, you can email Patty, or you can always tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.